and welcome to the Off-Kilter Quilt. My name is Frances and I'll be your hostess. Hello and welcome to episode 251. What if I one day get to a thousand episodes? Would that be excessive? I think it would be, but I kind of like that idea, but we're not even close. We're a quarter way there. We're a quarter way there. Um, so anyway, it is Monday and I keep wanting to say it's January and it's not. It's February 7th and it feels like February and you know, I don't complain about the weather. I don't complain, for instance, when it's a high of 37, the day starts out with icy rain, and then it just turns to cold rain, and that's what it does all day, and I had to be out and about all day, and yeah, but I don't complain, because, you know, what's the use? It is what it is, my friends, but the reason I'm hopping on is to not not complain about the weather, <laughs> because I finished quilting. Uh, what the, I'm, uh, the quilt I'm calling Wonky Miss Ohio. Are you a, by any chance a Gillian Welch fan? I am. And she's got a great song called Miss Ohio. that starts out, oh me oh my oh, look at Miss Ohio. She's running around with the rag top down. I could sing it for you and in a better moment I would. But I'm not going to do it now. Anyway, so wonky Miss Ohio, right? Finished quilting it. Last night I got the binding on for the, the, the top, right? The sewed, the machine part of it. Except for that last little part where... Um, can you hear the man is doing the dishes downstairs? God bless him. Does the dishes every night. But it is homemade radio and it does sound like he just dropped a bunch of dishes. He didn't. He's just manly. He is manly in his manhandling of the dishes, which explains some of those chips I noticed today. Any event, any event. Um, yeah. So, so the for me the hardest part of making and quilting and finishing a quilt, the, the of all of those things, the really hard part is joining the binding. And I have a craftsy class with, I want to say her name is Mimi Dietrich. I don't know, whoever she is, she is delightful. And there's a class that I bought years ago on finishing quilts. My mom said, you need this class, and she was right. But now I can't access my craftsy account. And I will figure that out um, because uh, the guarantee is you buy those classes, they're yours for life. But I could not access Mimi tonight. And I'm like, I want to finish this quilt. I really like the quilt. You know, some quilts you don't really love. You're like, I just want to finish the damn quilt because I hate it. But this is not, I really like this quilt. And I'm excited to have finished it. I was looking through photographs and realized I finished the top in 2020. I think it was, yeah, 20, the like end of 2020. Yeah, I think that's right. And then I don't know at which point I quilted it. I mean, basted it. I know which point I quilted it. That would be this weekend um, or the last week. 
But anyway, so, but so, you know, I'm just ready to finish also because it is a cold rainy day and the man has a very nice fire going in the fireplace. And I thought this would be such a nice thing to sit down and, and finish, you know, attaching the binding to the back of the quilt. All I have to do is join the binding, but I couldn't find Mimi. I could not find Mimi. I'm so pissed at Craftsy right now. It's like, give me my class. Um, and so I looked up another, I found this very nice Canadian culture, but you know, here's the thing. I, this is a really, the, the fact that I have done paper piecing in my lifetime where you have to like see everything upside down and twisted around or whatever is a miracle. I'm actually sitting in my bedroom and looking at this very cute quilt I made. Uh, I took a class, um, on paper piecing and I'm amazed by it. I'm also, I'm looking at this. And I, I probably took the class eight years ago and it is so friggin' over quilted. It just kills me. It's like, what, what was I thinking about? Um, anyway, but it's very cute. It's sort of a, a, a flying geese in a circle. It's really, I should take a picture. I really should wash it. It's just, it's wall hanging and it's been in this room forever and it's super cute. But the fact that I can do this, it's totally intuitive right? If you give me the directions, I can't do it. If I can get into the groove, if I can be super zen about it, I can do it. It can involve zero thinking. But tonight I'm tired. I, I was really, I had a busy day, a long day, which doesn't actually happen for me that often. Um, but today it did. And um, yeah, I'm just like, my intuition is not going to kick in. So you know what I did? And as I was doing it, I kept thinking this. And I don't know why I thought this, but I thought you are binding a quilt like a seven-year-old. You are a seven-year-old binding this quilt. Because I did not do the thing that the really neat trick where you kind of, it's almost like you're binding, you're binding the way that you sew your binding strips together, right? And But the way that I really feel that should have worked, it didn't work. And so... I just put one strip inside the other. I folded down the edge of the outside strip so there's not any raw edge involved in my binding. But that's it. That's it. And I did it and I sewed it up. And the whole time I thought, you are seven years old. This is how a seven-year-old would bind a quilt. And this is what you're doing. And it is sad. But, but the other part of me thought... This isn't going in a show. I have no idea what I'm doing with this quilt. I may keep it. I can give it to a muggle who will have no idea that I bound this quilt like a seven-year-old. But I want to finish this quilt and wash it and bring it out of the dryer. And it's going to be crinkly and pretty. It's a pretty quilt. I like it. I'm pleased with it. It's my own weird design. Yeah. So, yep, the seven-year-old in me won. It won. It triumphed today, my friends. It triumphed. I have bound a quilt like a seven. I don't even know what that means. I'm so tired. That's just where my brain is. Like, you are seven. You are a child. This is how a child does this. But I did it. And so now I'm going to, I'm actually in my room on my way to brush my teeth and floss. I floss daily. You know, it's one of those things where I think when your dentist, like when you do the intake and like, oh, how are you, are you flossing? Like I floss every day. And it's sort of like the doctor when the doctor says, how many drinks do you have? I, you know, no more than say, you know, four or five a week. And they look at you and they automatically double that, even though, you know, I'm, I'm, and, 
now that the holidays are over, it's back to you know, having some wine on the weekends. Um, but yeah, they just saw my look. You know, if you say, yeah, I drink two glasses, they think four. If you say, I drink, yeah, eight, you, you understand. You understand the concept of doubling, I'm pretty sure. But anyway, yeah. So um, yeah, so I'm about to floss and I do floss daily because I have terrible teeth. And I have friends who are like, yeah, I'm trying to floss more often. I'm like, what do you mean more often? You mean twice a day? And they're like, no. Like every once in a while. I'm like, oh my goodness. But when you have bad teeth, when you when you mistreated your teeth as a sugar freak youth, you spend most of, yeah, the rest of your life flossing daily. So I'm going to do that and get my jams on. And then I'm going to attach the binding to the back. And in the morning, I'm going to wash it. And I'm going to dry it, and it's going to be cute, and I'll have a picture for this episode. Seven-year-old me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm going to get her done. So anyway, I just wanted to share that with you Um, because I'm tired and because I need a friend, and I'm I'm, I'm really fine. And, you know, I do have uh, the man downstairs doing my dishes and feeding the fire. So it's like my life is not too bad. My life is not too bad. I hope yours is not too bad either um yeah i really i do hope that i was like i'm not going to qualify that in any way i hope your life is really good and we'll talk more um soon but i just wanted to say hi i'm binding a quilt tonight and i feel good about that so all right more soon bye quilt diary day two I've got to tell you, I just recorded for about 15 minutes and I was boring myself. So I thought, no, I won't do that to you. I will not bore you. Well, I may bore you, but I won't bore myself. (laughs) That's where we get in trouble. That's what I tell young writers all the time. If you write a story and you're reading back over it and there's parts you skip over because you're not interested, no one will be interested. That is a sure sign. That is a boring part of your story. And you need to go back and fix it. And I think that's true. And I think that's true for podcasting as well. If I'm keeping myself entertained, I will trust that to some extent, I'm keeping you entertained, right? But if I'm boring myself, then I know I'm boring you. So yeah, so podcast rules homemade ra- the rules of homemade radio so first of all to tell you i finished uh, my wonky ohio star quilt which i'm calling wonky miss ohio after a gillian welsh song um, which is called look at miss ohio it's a song that i love very much if you know that song now that i've told you that you'll hum it for the rest of the day um, it's good to have finished a quilt i need to put a label on it as a as a member and a board member of the quilt alliance that's we're all about no more anonymous quilts need to do that um and you know it's also it's really good i'm always happy when i have labeled quilts because otherwise i look at a quilt like i have a quilt on my wall and i'm looking at it and it's not labeled and i can't really remember when i made it now i am fortunate in that i've been doing this podcast for what for 10 years now for 11 years now and so I can go back and look at my show notes, even though I hate doing show notes, I do do show notes. And uh, so I could go back and find in the show notes when I made this quilt, when I finished this quilt. I don't think, 
that it would be on Instagram. I can't remember when I started doing Instagram, but uh, after I started doing the podcast. So anyway, um, yeah, but it's nice to know. And I think that the neat thing about labels as well is is it doesn't just have to be, uh, you know, Frances made this quilt and she did it this day, finished it this day, this year. But, you know, labels can have a lot of interesting information. You know, I keep a, a day book. It's very boring, um, and but I, I take notes every day. It's like all right, from the this is the weather. Went from uh, the morning walk. Um, this is you know this, I worked on this draft. I worked on this quilt. This is what we had for dinner. Sometimes I, if something interesting has happened or there's an interesting story, then I might actually do some real notes on that. Um, and it and but mostly it's just boring. But it's kind of in aggregate it's interesting you know because then I, uh, one it's interesting it's like how much you forget you know and, and so I can go back uh to you know someday last one day last year and go oh look that's what we had for dinner oh I forgot that happened um yeah or like what was it like to be alive on that day well I know a little bit you know even if if the day was not notable enough to yield actual notes in my day book but like yesterday um i picked up a dollhouse so i'm thinking about doing actually i'm planning on doing a workshop this this summer um basically about a a world building and i might call it our town um i might call it imagine a village but the idea is that this workshop it's a writing workshop it's also a a sort of a creative crafting workshop as well and which will uh not just write will create characters in a town create this town as a group but each person in the group creates a character and a family and a house and uh and might also create documents could do a podcast all kinds of different ways to creatively approach world building and story building and you know, I thought it would be fun to, I, I love miniatures. I have some, a few pieces of miniature, like dollhouse furniture and little miniature, like pots and pans and things like that. I just, I just, for some reason, that just makes a little part of my brain light up. Um, and I do have a, a dollhouse that I found on the side of the road. Um, one day it was put out for the trash and uh, I actually was out with Travis and I picked it up and <laughs> carried it home. And, uh, but a few weeks ago, one of my neighbors, who I did not know, a man named, it's a good name, Jamie Peacock, put on the listserv that he was, his, his mother had passed away, and, and he was in the process of going through her things, and there was a dollhouse that's been in the attic for 40 years um, that his dad had made, and did anyone want it? Well, I thought, oh, that would be really fun to have a couple of dollhouses for this workshop as a, you know, way to build stories around and so I emailed him. I said, listen, if some mom of some little girl says, yes, we would love that, please give it to her. But if no one else wants it, and I told him about the workshop and um, how it would be a really kind of neat prop and, and what have you. And he got back to me. He said, I've heard from, you know, the only other, other person I've heard from is a grandmother who, who wanted it for when her granddaughter came to visit. But I really like the idea of it being used more than once and used for in this creative way. So yesterday, the man and I went over 
to Jamie Peacock's house, um, which is actually just two streets over from ours. And what I realized when we got there is I have seen Jamie and his partner, Chris, many times because they have these two beagles who are now becoming older beagles uh, as Trav is becoming an older cockapoo. But I, I used to see them quite a bit on our walks, but now Travis and I don't walk down that way as much as we used to because we're getting older and we don't walk as far. Um, so I actually recognized them and they were lovely. The man went with me. The, the dollhouse is not heavy, but it's big. And when I get it all set up, I will share a picture with you because it's wonderful. I was imagining there was going to be kind of this primitive thing, but it wasn't. Jamie's dad built it from a kit. Um, and and so it has a wraparound porch it has stairs and also has a box of furniture i'm so excited about this it's still in my car i don't really have a place in the house for it i wish i did so i think we'll put it in the garage for the time being and then maybe when the weather gets warmer after pollen season after all the green pollen is dumped on the porch and we clean it up and set up camp out there i probably put it on the porch but it's really really neat but so i made notes about that in my day book and i did it uh, and i noted that one of the reasons that that jamie's dad built this so he's from eastern north carolina and his dad was a tobacco seller not a grower, but he sold it. And and five months of the year, he traveled to the Philippines. I don't think he lived there, but he w- would. That that was where his market was, and um, yeah. And so when he was home, be- there was a period of time in the summer before the tobacco crops went in, uh, or, or were harvested, I guess, um, when the tobacco crops crops were growing. Um, and he was home from the Philippines where he didn't have a lot to do, so he took a lot of projects on. And in this particular one, Jamie said that he thought his fa- his father had made the dollhouse for his sister, but he didn't really feel, he said in some ways he thought he, his father just made the dollhouse because he wanted to make a dollhouse, and, and Jamie did not recall that his sister actually playing with it all that much. So uh, anyway, so I wrote all of that down, in my day book because I thought that's you know this is kind of it's kind of interesting story it really speaks to a uh, a different time in North Carolina history uh, the tobacco market has really uh, it's not died out and tobacco is still grown and it does it mostly goes you know but it more goes to Asia um, but it, it's different and a lot of tobacco farmers to my understanding you know they're converting to other crops or have converted so anyway, so that's all in my day book. And um, yeah, so th- so that's a good source of information. That's my own kind of labeling, I guess. That's how I'm labeling my life. But I, that that is, I mean, you know, there are interesting things that we can put on our quilt labels. I'm sitting here preaching to you like, yeah, and I do that all the time. I don't. I am surrounded by unlabeled quilts that need labeling. Um, I don't know, cause I, and not just, I, I don't know. You don't know. We talked about this some last week with the whole Mary Fonz thing. It's like what happens to our quilts and, and what, you know, and what should happen to them. Um, should they be barn jackets? Should they, you know, if they're labeled, my guess is they probably would be less, yeah, maybe would be kept in the family, which is not always, you know, our big concern. Like with this wonky Miss Ohio quilt, pardon me, you know, it's like, I, don't, I, I like it. I don't really need it. And I almost thought about uh, emailing a picture of it to my editor, Caitlin, and saying, would one of your daughters want this? 
And they all, you know, but here's the, the weird thing about that. So if you're not a quilter and don't move in quilt circles, um, you either don't care about quilts at all. And you, and I hear from people and, and I have a friend who, uh, particularly, you know, it's like, I have more than one friend who like, they've stopped giving quilts to people because, you know, a lot of people like not really that into the quilts. I know, I know the muggles who can explain them. I can't, but, um, yeah. And, and so it's like, but there are other people for whom quilts are kind of a miracle. Those are the good, the good muggles, right? Right. And the idea that you made a quilt is just overwhelming to them. Um, you know, and, and it, because they don't realize that we make quilts all the time, that there's this whole world of, of quilters and quilt making. Um, but the thing about the Wonky Miss Ohio, I really like it a lot. I'll post a picture. I like the front. I like the back, um, which is just scrappy um, and wonky as well. But not everyone likes wonky. And so I thought I could see if Caitlin, you know, ask Caitlin if one of her daughters wanted the quilt. But Caitlin might feel obligated then to say, oh, of course, right? Even thinking, no, they're not going to like this kind of quilt because it's wonky. And, you know, but, but she would feel, yeah, like I said, obligated to take it. It, it made me think of, uh, there's a, a poet named Jack Gilbert, uh, who's, I think, his, uh, um, he has a book called Monolithos. He died about five years ago. Old guy. It's fine. Lived a long, good life. A wonderful poet. But he has a poem about this emperor who would give gifts. And, and one of the, he would give gifts, uh, he would give elephants as gifts and the the poem ends with the line, it appears the gift could not be refused, right? So the idea <laughs> and the problem is that you, the people who receive, if you receive a gift of an elephant, it's like your whole life becomes about taking care of the elephant, right? Which is not really uh, the same thing as getting a quilt, <laughs> but it's more like that, that gift that cannot be refused, right? And I think sometimes, you know, it's not like saying, do you want this book? You know, I just finished this book. Do you want it? Um, And then the person can say, no, I already read that book, or I don't like that author. I'm not, you know, reading that, you know, reading that much these days, whatever. And the gift can be refused, or the offer of the gift can be refused. Um, But with the quilt, I think there would be people who might feel like they couldn't refuse the gift, even if they didn't want it. So that's what my thinking is right now. All right. Um, I'm going to stop right now and probably try to end this up in the next day or so and get it posted. But I just saw the man pulling up in the driveway and he is used to coming into a room and hearing me talk to myself, but you know, um, uh, it's not as fun when, uh, yeah, it's just me and you here in my uh, front room. That's Yeah, it's fun when it's just us. All right, I'll talk some more later. Bye for now. Quilt Diary Day 3. It's Sunday, February 20th, 2022. I just deleted like a 20-minute post. I'm trying to talk about QuiltCon in this year's show, which I think, um, having just seen it online, which is very different, it's very different to see a photograph of a quilt as opposed to a living quilt. Um... But looking at the quilts online, it looks like an amazing show to me. Um, you know, this, uh, I, I don't love every quilt. There are a couple quilts that, that there was like maybe two quilts in which I think I don't understand why this quilt is in the show. But mostly I think, wow, we, the modern modern quilts and quilters 
I just get better all the time. I think it's possible I will never get a quilt and quilt con again because I do not quilt at this level of excellence. Conceptually, I've got great ideas, but in terms of the making, I'm messy. I'm an imperfectionist, and I don't know that there is a space for that at QuiltCon anymore, which is just fine. Um, the, just the level, the, the skill set, uh, the, the level that people are practicing these skills at is so high. I'm looking at the winners um, in the piecing category. The first place winner is a portrait. It looks like a mother uh, and her two sons. Uh, it's beautiful. It's interesting because it really straddles the line between modern and art quilt, but of course so many modern quilts do, but this I think more, uh, more explicitly than most. Um, but it does feel modern. The colorways feel modern. The, the shapes that she employs to create this portrait. There's something very modern about how it's, it's a lot of triangles, right? It's, it's a lot of, uh, almost looks like improvisational piecing. Um, it's, it's called Pride and Joy. It's by Varushka Zarate from, uh, uh, from Redlands, California. Uh, anyway, beautiful, beautiful, just the, the skill level there. Again, the second place is called Rhythm and Blues. It's by Terry Sargent Pert from the Seattle Modern Quilt Guild. Gorgeous quilt, just at a level uh, that is so high that, I mean, I feel like I look at this and, um, I mean, it could have won for modern traditional. There's something about the quilt, even though it's definitely modern and funky at the same time, it really, to me, speaks across the years, um, to a more formal traditional quilt. So just, yeah, uh, uh, going down to the, the small quilts, I'm very proud that my friend Charles Cameron, who is a member of our guild, um, won first place for his small quilt. It's 14 by 14. It's called Sudoku. Gorgeous quilt. It's uh, You look at it, and this is the thing that you miss by not being at the show that I miss. You don't get to see the scale, right? So it's amazing looking at this quilt and realizing it's just a little bit over a f foot square, you know? I mean... That's tiny, and yet what he does in that tiny amount of space is just incredible. Now, one of my very favorite quilts uh, this year got second place and use of negative space, as well as got a judge's award. Um, it's Jessica Big Skirt by Patty Kopik, who is an amazing quilter. I love her. She does, she takes these pictures that her grandchildren draw, and she makes quilts out of them. And this one, the skirt, looks it's uh it looks like it's just made up of teeny tiny pieces um it's it's gorgeous and weird <laughs> which i love and then the third place is um called Frau Hansen's Focus number 2 uh, and this is uh, by a quilter named Uta Hansen and she's from Germany um and it's also strange and the background i i think might be what is that odd greenish yellow color? Uh, I can't think of it, y'all. And but just so imagine um, a yellow that ha mixed with kind of a blue gray. Uh, so it is a green. Yeah, and then it's just 
got uh, concentric circles, but they're wonky, and the circles like have uh, lines drawn. Uh, imagine a sun, right? Or or train tracks or something. That's so you, you'd have to see. But very strange, very funky. Um, yeah, so so many great quilts, so many great quilts. It makes me sad not to be there and see them, but there was no way I would survive a six-hour flight to Phoenix and then two or three days of quilt gone and the absolute and utter exhaustion, and then to come home. I would have the flu for like three weeks. I just would. Um, <laughs> the older I get, it's just like I'm not going to be able to leave the house anymore. Um, I am very much looking forward to quilt con in Atlanta. I'm hoping that I will be um, once again getting a house with my dear friends uh, Holly Ann and Quilting Jenny. Holly Ann is becoming like uh, uh, she, uh, I'm gonna say a rock star. She uh, she is of string and story and also quilting rock stars. She was uh, um, string and story was a sponsor at um, QuiltCon. I bet they sponsored. Um, machine quilting because that's really Holly Ann's bag anyway she's becoming such a big deal like I hope that she'll still be friends with me and Jen and still get a house with us but um, yeah it's uh, I I, I can't wait and the the way I'm gonna know uh, the way I'll be able to survive it is uh, I have people in Atlanta my brother's in Atlanta so if I fly in uh, he'll have to pick me up uh, from the airport because uh, that's in his contract as my big brother, and then he'll have to take me. Um, he'll have to let me stay at his house for a day or two after QuiltCon to recover and you know, take me out to dinner and stuff, and then drive me back to the airport, all on his contract, all there in the fine print. But uh, I'm so excited for it, and I, I just wish I could have been like airdropped via Bluetooth into this year's show and walk around and see these quilts and live with them for a while and you know, feel their vibe, feel their, their, you know, experience, um, their living, breathing quilt selves, because that's, that's just the best. Pictures, um, don't capture the full essence of a quilt, although I will say uh, a lot of people have done a great job of documenting the show on Instagram, so if you want to see these quilts, you, um, you, you can see the winning quilts if you're a member of the Modern Quilt Guild, um, you can go online and see the gallery of the winning quilts. and uh, But you can also just, if you want to see all the quilts, go onto QuiltCon and go and do hashtag, not QuiltCon, go onto Instagram and do hashtag QuiltCon 2022. And so many people have posted photographs and um, just so many amazing quilts. So I, I, I will say this, that I had this thought recently, like, I mean, in the last day, you know, it's the Winter Olympics and the man and I watch the ice skating. And I find... I am year uh, as the years go by, I find myself less interested, and it's because the skaters are so good. Now we did see mistakes this time. That poor young Russian girl, oh bless her heart. Um, but typically, you don't see a ton of mistakes. You might see like you, you know you're watching and Tara and johnny or commenting and they'll say oh that was a big mistake right there and you're like what what did they do i saw no error but these skaters are skating at such a level it's too close to perfect for me and i'm not interested in perfect and now i have to say i i have not lost interest in these quilts that i'm seeing from quilt con i still find them deeply interesting and at the same time 
some of them are too close to perfect for me. Some of them, you know, it's also, and this is, you know, when you see the quilts at QuiltCon, you know, you are seeing these trends play out. Like, and, and some of the quilts we're seeing were there at the tail end. You know, they peaked a couple of years ago. Um, and the, the trends, the, the, they're petering out, but you're still seeing some quilts that you feel like, oh, I've seen that quilt before. I'm tired of that. The eye, as we know, gets tired and longs for new things. Um, you know, if you are, if you follow a lot of modern quilters on Instagram, as I do, you know, you, you do get used to, you, you're very aware of the trends. And what's always interesting is when you catch a trend at its beginning. But, you know, people are taking classes from the same teachers that they're following the same Instagram quilters that we all are, you know, in, in the genre. And so, um, they, there are things that, as you follow the trends, um, people get better and better. So like now you're seeing this, these curved quilts, it's curved piecing that eight years ago, very few people were even attempting, but at, you know, you watch this, you know, there was an avant-garde of curved piecing that was very, very exciting. And then those curved piecers were started teaching. And so the rest of us could learn how to do it. And so then you were seeing all, you know, more and more amazing examples of it. Um, and it's not like, and we'll never see curved piecing again. We will, but there's a certain way now when you see some curved piecing, it's like, it's less exciting than it was. It's like, yep, we know how to do that now. Um, it's, you're looking for people who are doing it in a way that again, feels idiosyncratic and interesting. Um, and that's what I'm always looking for in modern quilts is who's doing something a little bit different. Um, I am interested in, in the quilts that actually seem like they are achieving uh, in design almost an heirloom quality, uh, if that makes sense, like the, the quilt I, I referred to earlier uh, that won uh, second place in piecing. Um, is that right? Yes, the Rhythm and Blues. It does look like a quilt that will keep our interest for years to come that someone a hundred years from now will look at and say that's an amazing quilt I want that kind of quilt on my bed that will be the the heirloom quilt that is highly valued so I guess I'm saying it's achieving the quality of a classic quilt right and the way that you know classic quilt patterns from the past would of, of course be um you know, the New York beauty, I think, will, will always be in style. I mean, that's what a classic is, something that stays um, relevant, that that stays in style forever. Um, you know, so anyway, I, I think that this quilt, uh, although, you know, uh, given that it's named after the color as opposed, you know, rhythm and blues, it's and it's a blue and white quilt, um, and, instead of a, a shape right? Um, although New York Beauty, that doesn't actually, uh, I, I don't know why a New York Beauty is called a New York Beauty if there was uh, a piece of art, a symbol, a flag, or something. Um, I don't know that there'll be, a, you know, rhythm in blues is what it's called, I-N, not rhythm and blues. Um, you know, if a hundred years from now people will go, oh, you know, well, I want to make one of those rhythm in blues quilts, uh, in the same the way that we might say, oh, you know, I want to make a New York beauty quilt. It, it, in terms of nomenclature, it doesn't have that classical name. But in terms of style, 
uh, there is something about it. It's so appealing. The shapes are appealing. The composition. You could see that a hundred years from now, people will still be interested. Whereas the quilt next to it that won third place, which is also a, a quilt I like very much, it's called Bit Flip. Um, it's mostly in the background uh, is black and gray. Uh, it is prints. There's some blue. Um, there's some mauve. Uh, there, there. there tiny pieces of white yeah it's interesting to to look at it a little more closely and see all the different prints used in it and then around the center there's almost like a, a center medallion and the the points coming off the center are not really points but the say the rays coming off of it are um tiny tiny pieces set in blocks but of yellow uh fluorescent green um yeah, maybe, uh, yeah, like a white. And it's a great quilt. And, oh, and I think that the background blocks, they are uh, uh, sort of wonky log cabins, as far as I can tell. So a very cool quilt, and I very much like it. I don't know that it's a, it's a quilt that will, you know, last the ages in terms of our interest in it, beyond historic interest, and uh, in terms of it staying in style. It's a very interesting, cool quilt. I really like it. But Rhythm in Blues feels to me like, oh, that's a classic. That's one that, you know, will appeal, again, to people in the future in a way that they would want to make it, possess it, have one in their house, as opposed to an artifact. Um, so, yeah, and, and so I think we're seeing more quilts like that. Um, yeah, all, all, all the time. Um, which is great, you know, that, that, that modern quilters are quilting, designing and quilting and piecing at that level is really cool. Um, I'm always, (laughs) I, I guess in, in the way that the skating has become less interesting to me because it's nearly perfect it doesn't mean that I don't enjoy it I do obviously watching these Olympic level skaters they're beautiful what they do is beautiful Um, what they do is difficult you honor the difficulty of it you appreciate the beauty of it doesn't necessarily move me emotionally where when I see something kind of funky even though it's imperfect I am. A, I find it much more moving. Much. I feel much more connected to it, um, even if it's not as even as aesthetically pleasing as uh, you know the perfect skaters, the perfect quilts. Um, you know, it just feels more human to me when people fall. <laughs> if that makes sense, and I think it does. I think you know what I'm saying. So you know, so you can appreciate both. You can appreciate the the nearly perfect, the classical beauty. Um, you can appreciate again the skills and the work and the effort that go into these amazing routines, these amazing quilts. But um, yeah, I I just I don't feel as emotionally connected to them. So anyway, I think you should if if you're at all interested in modern quilts, uh, you should. Um, go and look. Go on Instagram, quilt, you know, hashtag QuiltCon2022 and, and see what was there. I, 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 I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. I was happy 
um, to see my my friend that I made through this podcast, um, Debbie. Um, she had a quilt, Debbie Kid. She had a quilt and quilt con, which I did not know. And I was scrolling, and uh, I mean, I follow her on Instagram, and I saw her quilt, and it's amazing. She's an amazing quilter. We met many years ago. Um, she and her husband were coming through to, through Durham, I think maybe on their way to the beach, but I'm not sure. And uh, we got together for coffee, and she brought, she made me these amazing, funky, modern um, pot holders. And she's like, you have to use these. Of course, I've never used them. They hang in my kitchen, and I love them. And, like, that they are art to me. And I am, yes, I'm much too messy to, you know. I, I, I believe in using quilts and things, but I also believe in having art that makes me happy. It's made by my friends. Anyway, so I was very happy to see her work. Um, at QuiltCon. That was really cool. So those are my QuiltCon thoughts for the moment. Um, I might have more in the future. I don't know. Or we might just move on with our lives. We could do that. Um, I realize that today's episode, today's quilt dive is fairly noisy. I've got music on behind me and then we've got the white noise of my furnace. And um, I hope those things have not been too distracting. I always have music on. I, I'm not good with silence. I've never have been since the time I was a little kid. Um, I don't know. Uh, and it, it, uh, but I'm good with being alone. And I'm good with thinking my own thoughts and being alone with my thoughts. But I just like a little music, a little noise um, around me. And not everyone appreciates that. So I hope this noise has not bothered you. Um, I think I'm going to end this here and get this episode posted. I hope that you are getting through the cold or the heat of February. <laughs> it is a, you know, it is a much maligned month. Um, I find it a much easier month to tolerate now that I do not have to get up early and take children to school, uh, which I haven't had to do uh, for a couple of years. I, you know, yeah, uh, since Will's junior year, so that's, uh, but now it's real, I don't, uh, even when I wasn't taking Will to school, I would still get up, um, just to make sure everything was uh, going as it should, and now I don't even have to go up, get up, I, I sleep till uh, 8 o'clock sometimes, it's amazing, I love it, it makes February more bearable, um, and then I also don't have to schedule appointments around children's schedules, so that's good too, so I, 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 I'm going to do my best to never have an 8.30 a.m. or even a 9.30 or 10 a.m. appointment for the rest of my life, it's probably not doable, but uh, I, psychically, psychologically, whatever, um, my life is better when I don't have anything scheduled in the morning. Just write and spend time with Travis the Quilt Dog. Another so sound you might be hearing is his little quilt dog snores. There, he snored on cue. All right, hope you're having, um, again, a good February, wherever you are. And um, spring or fall is on its way, and those are nice places to be. So I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. You guys, I was almost done. In fact, I'm actually almost done posting the episode or getting, not posting it, but getting it up on Hindenburg, which is the editing program I use. Not that I edit. I think we all know I don't edit. I've mentioned this. My friend Kristen, who does Simple Homemade Every Day, which is such a lovely podcast. I hope you're listening to it. If you like this podcast, you'll love Kristen because she edits. She does not ramble. Um, and she just has a lovely voice and is a wonderful person. And 
I've also probably mentioned I talk to Kristen all the time, and I also listen to the podcast just because I like having her around to keep me company, even when she's uh, told me things I already know. So, in any event, so but I so Hindenburg is my editing program, but it's also I where I put my files and then upload them to the interwebs. And I realized I got some amazing comments um, on the last episode. First of all, I appreciate it. I appreciate all all of you who are commenting in your heads. I know you do it. I hear you. I love you. Um, But I got some great comments from people who actually got out of their heads and onto uh, the website. Uh, I don't favor them. I have no favorites. I don't play favorites, but I, I appreciate that because I, uh, I don't comment <laughs> either <laughs> on other people's stuff, even though I love it. So anyway, um, I heard from Ellen um, from Scotland, and I believe this is Ellen who I met at QuiltCon in Savannah way back in the day. When was that? That was like 20, was it? It's not, was it 2016, was it? I'm I'm a little off on my quilt con. So 2019 was Nashville. No, was Austin. No, was Nashville. So 2017. All right, sorry. It's a, a, COVID has thrown everything off in so many ways. Um, most of them much more serious. And when was the last quilt con? But they did have one in 2020. Um, uh, in Austin and just right in under the wire, you know, I, I think at that time people had heard of an, of some sort of flu going on, but it had, and I think it was in the States by then, but uh, it was just a, at that point, kind of a rumor. Um, and it was a couple weeks later that it really hit and things started, um, getting a little more serious and, and it, it was in the, st- officially in the States a couple of weeks later. Oh, COVID history. Should we spend more time discussing it? No, let's let that go. Anyway, so I believe that I met Ellen and her friend, Lindsay, who she mentions it in her, um, comment, but, uh, we were, she, she was talking about how most of her quilts are, uh, utility quilts, quilts that are to be used as opposed to art quilts and she makes a lot of quilts that go to Syrian and Afghan refugees who have settled in Scotland. You know there are many Afghan refugees coming into North Carolina. Um, I can't remember the the number but it's, it's a fairly high number. There's already a very strong, is it Central Asia, Central Asian and South Asian community uh, here in the Triangle part of North Carolina. In fact, someone told me that, I think it was, it's Apex or Mooresville, which is in between Durham and Raleigh. So Durham is right west of Raleigh. Whereas at this point, it's like the, it may be, it's either like 30% South and Central Asians, or even, and, and it's supposed to be a majority Asian uh, pretty soon. So it's it's uh, it's interesting, and uh, I'm uh, absolutely happy with it. We've been doing some work here with some, uh, uh, some Afghan families, and they are lovely people, and I'm glad they're here. Anyway, um, so <laughs> as Ellen says, uh if at any point a family thought my quilt would be more used to them 
made into a garment, she's referring to the whole Mary Fawn's scandal, uh, I would have no problem with that. I do, however, hope that the person wearing it is at least six feet and slim because I would like my quilt shown to its best advantage. I love that and totally agree. Yes, if anyone wants to turn my quilts into clothing, that's fine, but they have to be tall. They have to look really good in it. Um, yes, so anyway. Um, and, and, and Ellen ends her comment saying, Bonnie Hunter and many of her followers use old shirts to make quilts. So are we actually saying that it's all right for us to use clothing to make quilts, but not the other way around? Uh, did we always ask the maker of the clothes if we could do that? Food for thought. Ellen, it was so good to hear from you. Um, by the way, by the way, by the way, the big news, this is by the, it's still Sunday, um, hasn't changed to Monday yet, and uh, still Sunday the 20th. Just learned this afternoon that Quilt Con 2024 will be in Raleigh. So first of all, everybody come. We're going to have huge parties, big meetups. I, I just can't wait. Um, I think, and this sounds crazy, but I was talking earlier about my girls, Holly Ann and um, Quilt and Jenny. I think we're going to, we always stay together. Now, they could come stay in my house, but there are other people in my house, like Travis and the man, and, and we can't have other people around. Um, and, and there's also not that much room in my house there because I'm hoping that Kristen will come from California. Um, so I think we should get an Airbnb in Raleigh, like right near the convention center, right downtown, and just party like it's 2024. I am psyched for this. I am. Anyway, okay. Um, heard from Linda. Uh, it, it was, uh, and she said very nice things about Travis. And um, yeah, I mean, tra he's doing well. You know, he's 14. He's slowing down. But the other day, I think it was, yeah, it was yesterday. He likes cooler weather, and it was cool yesterday. And we did the long, what I think was the long loop. It's a mile and a half walk. Um, we used to do a two-mile walk back in the day. Now a lot of times we just go a mile. But yesterday he did the mile and a half. He was very energized and energetic. He's a good little puppy. Yes. Heard from Robin. Um, and we share some Louisville, Kentucky roots. And, um, yeah, I've got to plan that trip to go <laughs> to see my parents first <laughs> and to get my Bernina. Oh, my, my little baby Bernina. I'm going to get it back. I'm so excited. But, yes. And then I heard from Sue. And she said she has been listening to the podcast ever since the beginning. This is the first time she's commented. And that just thrills me. It just tickles me that she has been listening now for 10-plus years. Um, and she, I think she's been holding her judgment. She didn't say that. I'm just having fun with the idea. It's like, all right, I've listened to you for a decade. I guess you're okay. But it, that was not the tone of her comment. It was very, very nice. And she likes my chattiness. Thank you, Sue. Thank you. Um, yeah, and, and uh, she was saying that she has a love-hate relationship with snow, and I just have a hate relationship with snow, but she grew up in, in uh, near Canada. Um, I also heard from Noni, who's in Michigan. So these people, you know, are just like have very serious winters um, in a way that I'm not sure I could – I know I can't do. Why am I saying, I'm not sure I could do that? I know I can't do it. But I have a really good friend. I might, I'm sorry. You know, if I'm repeating myself, I repeat myself all the time. Everyone – who's around me uh 
in real life, like they've heard everything I've said at least three times, and it's the little things, right? But the little stories that aren't that important, so it makes they're not even great stories. And I'm telling them again and again. But my, my friend Nancy uh, is from Buffalo, and she moved to Nashville. She's been in Nashville. She teaches at Vanderbilt, and she's been there a long time now. And she said she, she has such a hard time when she goes back to Buffalo. The cold is so cold. She has acclimated to the south and doesn't think she can ever live in the north again. But one of the things that Sue said that I really liked about, she was talking about re, um, repurposing the creativity is amazing and repurposing she wrote all you have to do is look on etsy or go to craft shows and see what beautiful creations can be made with a silver teaspoon and i cannot agree more especially with the teaspoon you know you see this stuff you're like oh my goodness i've seen jewelry made with teaspoons um yeah and it's exciting and it makes you feel I don't know. I mean, we've got so much junk in our lives. And of course, you know, I'm at this age, which is not particularly old, but it's old enough. I'm 58. And the man and I think about whether we're going to stay put in this house or if we're going to downsize. But either way, we need to get rid of stuff and and responsibly. And and so that's always part of the agenda that what we would like to do. And every year I say, I'm going to do the attic. And one year I will. But I'm also really thinking a lot about what I bring into the house um and and you know and just I don't want to create more stuff to deal with I mean I wouldn't be creating it but I don't want to bring more stuff into the house to deal with and I want the things in our house um that uh to be beautiful and useful and valuable to someone in the future probably you know not maybe not my children but somebody else's children um, who might look at my quilts, for instance, and say, I like that as a quilt and, I, you know, to cover my body or I would like to make that into a purse or, you know, anyway. I'm, it's, so I'm not sure quite what that has to do with silver teaspoons other than I love the idea of, of people taking things from the past and repurposing them in beautiful, really creative ways. So, yeah, I think that's... Um, I. I And, you know, I always love when you just see someone doing something that's really super cool and creative. It just makes you feel good about being human. Um, You know, that that we do. I mean, we are capable of such horrible things, but we're capable of such amazing things as well. Um, Thanks to Margaret Kay for commenting and from Noni. Um, And let's see. I think that that is it for today. the last episode, but I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who commented, uh, on, you know, on the, on the webpage, which is offkilterquilt.com. And thanks to all those comments coming from inside your heads. I appreciate them. Okay. I just wanted to do that. Um, yeah, I did. I wanted to do it. So I did it and now I'm done. So goodbye until next time. Thanks for listening to the Off Kilter Quilt. Come visit me online at offkilterquilt.com. Until next time, this is Francis. Remember, life is short. Quilt first.